Times Like Now is an interview program. Interviews with interesting people that are doing cool stuff. My name is Trevor Collins, and past episodes can be found wherever you get your programs. The month of October has been called Striketober, as organized labor around the country has taken to the picket line. Today I'm speaking with Josette Yeramilo. She is president of the Colorado AFL-CIO on today's episode of Times Like Now. Hello, Josette. How are you this evening? I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm really well, and I do appreciate your time. Thank you for joining me this evening on the show. Absolutely. I think anytime I get the opportunity to talk about the great working people of Colorado, I'm happy to do it. So um, thanks for having me on. Yes, absolutely. So you and I and hopefully everybody else listening knows that October was nicknamed Striketober. You heard this, I'm sure. I have, yeah. Um, sorry, I'm I'm nodding my head, and I, I forget that, that this is going to be formatted for audio, so your listeners can't tell that, yes, I'm enthusiastically nodding my head. Um, yeah, it, it's certainly, um, we have seen a lot of action across the country um, for striking, and certainly something that uh, has been coined Striketober. So uh, lots of worker action happening all across the country. So in your position as president of the AFSCME, and for anybody else, what is that? What are the what is that alphabet soup? Um, so it's AFSCME, which isn't really a real word, but is certainly part of my normal everyday vocabulary. It's the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees. And then I'm also the president of the Colorado AFL-CIO, and that is the American Federation of Labor and Congress of Industrial Organizations. Right. That's a mouthful anytime. It is. So, so again, a little catch up for folks that may not know, 10,000 New York taxi workers, Some a couple were on a hunger strike. And I guess that has come to an end. De Blasio has agreed to pay off their taxicab token debts. So there's no longer any anybody hunger striking over this. But over a thousand Alabama coal workers striking for better wages and safer conditions. Amazon workers. We have teachers and strikers all over the country. What is your take? I mean, do you think COVID had something to do with this, with the with the curtain being pulled back on on maybe political or co- corporate corruption, or what what is your take on all of this? Absolutely, because it is rather new. Yeah, no, I, I I think that's a perfect question, and what we have seen is that COVID has really um, opened the curtain. is is a perfect way to describe that. I I always say that it lifted the veil on worker safety issues, on yeah. worker pay on um, a lot of the things I think that we thought were normal. Like my nine to five is I work for child welfare um, for the county here in, in Colorado. And we've always gone into the office. Did we have to go to the office? No, it turns out we didn't. Um, I think we have seen a lot come out of COVID like the great resignation. And I will use that in air quotes because I, I know that's kind of a popular term for, for folks just being able to really decide what work environment worked best for them, be able to um, 
really say, you know, I, I deserve a living wage. I'm not going to work um, for poverty wages. I don't want to work two and three minimum wage jobs just to make ends meet. And we've really seen kind of this worker uprising where um, folks and workers are kind of able to write their own ticket, which is an incredible thing to happen and to see on our end. And then really starting to see corporations raise their minimum wage because they can't get folks at, you know, the minimum wage. Minimum wage in Colorado is $12 an hour. Um, but even uh, that is really a poverty wage for folks living, you know, in our metro area where um, housing costs are, are just astronomical. Yes, even at $15 an hour, a full-time job is approximately $30,000 a year. I don't see that as a big, a big ask for a lot of corporations when the cost of living and the cost of rent is supposed to be a third of your monthly take. Well, we all know rents have skyrocketed. And this is not sustainable for for people. So yeah, I think there's definitely been a, a line drawn in the sand, so to speak. Now, I heard recently an interview with one of the Alabama coal miner folks. I don't know if he was a president or if he was just a, a Joe on the line. But he said it's not about the money. It's never been about the money. They were willing to negotiate and talk about money what he wanted was time to see his family. What's been your take on that with people working so long? Some people working on Saturdays, some people working Amazon workers seven days a week, that sort of thing. Well, it is certainly something that the labor movement has continually fought for, right? The, the five day work week, um, the 40 hour work week, I guess I shouldn't say the five day work week, but certainly the 40 hour work week. Um, and really looking how that breaks down, right? Eight hours for rest, eight hours for recreation, eight hours for work. And that's how, um, that kind of splits up, but it is really important. And I think, you know, when we're looking at folks who, whether you work in a coal mine or whether you work for, um, the Department of Human Services or, you know, you're a doctor or whatever, whatever, um, whatever industry you work in, time with your family, time to yourself, you know, however you define family, doesn't, you don't have to have kids and, and a spouse. It could be spending extra time with your, um, with your friends or spending extra time with your, with your animals. Um, that time is really important. And I think um, this whole uh, stay at home orders and working from home, I think really highlighted that for a lot of folks. It, it, showed the importance of family and spending time. I think we got used to uh, in the last 18 months or almost two years, we've really gotten used to being home and spending more time with our loved ones. Um, and, and the work is still getting done. So I think there's a lot of pushback from that. But certainly I think being able to spend time with the people that you care about is important. Um, those are things that folks are not willing to sacrifice. Those are not negotiables um, where, yeah, we can sit down and talk about wages, but you can't put a price on the time that I get to spend with my family. Now, how did you get into, speaking of family, how did you get into 
into this position within the unions? I like to tell people that I tripped and fell into it. Um, but really, I think when I look back at my life and I look back at my family, um, my dad was a self-employed mechanic. My mom was a self-employed barber. Um, they didn't make a ton of money, but my family certainly comes from a really strong union background. Uh, Pueblo, Colorado is the home of the steel mill. It started off as CF&I, then went to you know Oregon Steel, and now it's Everaz. Um, but my grandpa was a worker there. He worked in the Coke plant, and he was a member of the United Steelworkers Local 2102. Um, my uh, godfather, my uncle, was also a member of that same local. Um, I have two uncles who were butchers with the United Food and Commercial Workers. Um, and it's always just been a value uh, of our family that you respect unions. So when I got a job at the Department of Human Services, uh, it was a union job. And um, I signed up and got involved. And I think uh, I run into like some old elementary school teachers uh, every now and then because they're now they're retirees and they're involved in their unions. And they they tell me that um, I have taken to unionism and the labor movement like a duck to water. And they said it was because that they could never shut me up in elementary school. So it completely makes sense that I am in this position to be able to talk to people for a living. Um, so I don't, I don't know if it's, if it's just part of who I am, but it is certainly something that I fell into and, um, I really love and I enjoy, um, the opportunity to talk to people. I like talking to workers. I like talking to people like yourself and any opportunity I get to talk about workers. I'm, I'm all for it. Have you been there in Colorado to the John Deere strike that's currently going on. I have not made it up um, to the John Deere strike that's going on in, in Colorado yet. Um, I'm in Pueblo, which is about two hours south of Denver. And then I also work a full-time job. So um, my schedule is a little limited in getting up there, but I have been getting updates um, from our folks on the line. Um, we don't have a huge um membership base at John Deere because we have the manufacturing the parts section um, of the John Deere um, factory here in Colorado. Um, but we have seen a huge turnout from a lot of our affiliates. Um, I know uh, I will speak in acronyms. So if you want me to break any of those down, you just let me know. Um, SCIU, uh, IBEW, um, UFCW, our teachers unions, um, lots of other folks have been out there to support. They've had a really good turnout. Um, so it's been really strong for them. Yeah, I understand the that John Deere was using the courts to try and stop picketers and the corporations have been using tactics for, well, forever to stop union building. Now this has something to do with, I think, that the 40 years of skyrocketing CEO salaries and corporation profits has really made it clear what their priorities are, uh, putting workers at risk. What's your take on this and what is being done to encourage? I know unions memberships were down for many, many years, but there has been a return or slowly becoming one. Are you involved in that? How is the uh, team building going in your in your circles? Absolutely. So um, 
organizing has always been a top priority for us to start to grow union membership. I think that the tide has changed. Um, I, I like to make a joke about this because, you know, our popularity has risen, um, you know, in the last, you know, four or five years. Um, it's obviously intentional. Like we want people to like unions and to understand what unions are and what we do. But I say, um, you know, our popularity is right up there with puppies, um, which is which is really good. Everybody loves puppies. We want everybody to love the labor movement. Um, but, you know, to your point about corporations using the courts and writing rules uh, in their favor, um, absolutely. We've been dealing with that since um, the 70s, right? We, the air traffic controllers um, is when kind of that breakdown of unions started. But um, we're turning the tide slowly. I think we're working really hard to work with our friends in the in the legislature to talk about how we can level the playing field for workers. Um, in Colorado, we passed uh, collective bargaining for our state employees. Um, so they actually were granted a seat at the table a couple of years ago and just negotiated their first contract. Um, and we did that through legislation and a lot of hard work from um, our uh, state employees union, Colorado Winds, um, and their executive director, Hillary Glasgow. Uh, we're also looking at public sector collective bargaining uh, this year in the legislature, um, and that will affect you know my union and, and allow us to bargain for wages and benefits, um, and you know have a seat at the table. So when things are kind of going awry, uh, like they have been with COVID, and um, you know, we we have folks still in people's homes. We have throughout the entire pandemic. Um, we have an opportunity to have a seat at the table and really talk about what those working conditions are like and how we can increase safety. And um, we can talk about hazard pay. We can talk about benefits, um, all of those things. So we're really working that angle um, and working with, you know, our friends um, in the legislature. Nationally, we're looking at passing the PRO Act. Uh, the PRO Act would kind of, uh, every, every state has different rules for how you negotiate, um, how you form a union. The PRO Act would kind of make everybody the same. Like, here's how you form a union in, whether you're in um, Idaho or you're in Colorado and Alabama or California, you know, the rules, are, the rules are the same. And I think that really levels the playing field for working folks. Um, so I hope I answered your question. I feel like I went on a long tangent about that. No, that's okay. It's great information. And, and I do appreciate it. I was going to bring up the issue that has come up recently down in, well, I would just say Hollywood, but it was actually in New Mexico with uh, Alec Baldwin's movie, where unfortunately a, a, a camera person was shot and killed with a live round in a gun. Now, we know that IATSE, that is the Union for Film and Stage Actors, had some issues. They were very close to going to strike for being pushed to work too many hours, too long hours, not enough time in between all these things that IATSE was pressing for. And, and they ended up making a resolution and did not go to strike. But I know that this case in re revolving around this movie, some of the camera people 
left that movie production because of their unsafe conditions that were going on. And they brought in non-union work to, to fill in and to keep the production of the movie going. This is just a, an example of how corners are cut, how safety precautions are, are skirted, and how people are hurt in whether it be a coal mine or whether it be a film set, for instance. Are you familiar with incidences like this? Do you see this happening around you? What has been your experience in, in this safety issues and, and towards the union? So I would tell you that every industry, whether it's um, IATSE, you know, our stagehands, our camera folks, um, you know, SAG-AFTRA, who are, you know, our actors and um, radio folks, if it's um, our electricians, um, I always forget to mention Layuna because they show up and they're um, amazing. Um, those are our um, contractors, our laborers. Um, all of their contracts are so specific about safety and um Everybody has different rules. I really think that union members are the top line um, in safety and professionalism and knowledge. Um, I've toured lots of apprenticeship programs um, where, you know, they're they're teaching folks uh, the correct way to install um, plumbing or um, the correct way to, to build houses or install electricity. Um, they really have top of the line contracts that really outline all of the procedures that need to be followed to make sure that um, our workers stay safe, but not only the workers to make sure that things are built correctly. Um, I bought a house that had a lot of work done uh, recently and um, you know, it's, it's incredible when, when you're like, Oh, well this wasn't done great. Um, I might have to redo this or, you know, I have to do this or I have to do that. Um, those are kind of like the bottom line of, you know, taking pride in your work, doing it correctly and making sure that the workers on that job are safe while they're doing that job. That's the reason why we negotiate our contracts. Um, and every um, industry, uh, every area of work um, that we have unionized um, has strong contracts to talk about those kinds of things. The most recent, I guess, the reputation of the unions has not always been good. There is corruption or was, was corruption, and that can happen in, in anything. Uh, the corruption of, let's say, the 1970s and uh, bad Las Vegas situations and mob movies that you've probably seen and know about. Was this propaganda i mean there there really was a you know a lot of corruption there was there was a, a jimmy hoffa there really was a lot of these things that went on in this time but has that obviously reputation changed or is is it changing is that what was part of the 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 lack in in membership for so long you know i i certainly hope so i is is it propaganda Sure. Like, do we hear about the amazing things that unions do for working people in um, like our school curriculum? Not at all. Uh, right behind me, you see my Ludlow, my Ludlow picture. And um, for your listeners, uh, Ludlow um, is a mining site that is about 70 miles south of where I'm located right now. That's pretty close to where I'm at. 
I didn't learn a single thing about Ludlow uh, growing up in in middle school and in high school. Um, it was a pretty big massacre. Uh, women and children, you know, died during that massacre. Um, the um, National Guard was involved. Um, lots of different folks, you know, going on strike. Didn't really hear about that. Um, so is it propaganda? Of course. I remember a couple of years ago, our Denver Area Labor Federation put out shirts that said Union Bug. And it was a kind of like a take back the night thing. The younger generation really liked it. But I, I do remember getting some sideways glances from from some of our older folks, some of our retirees who, who didn't understand um, why we would happily call ourselves union thugs, because we're not thugs. Um, you know, I, I just got approved for foster care to take care of bottle fed kittens. Um, you know, we're we're certainly not thugs um, and not in the way that I think we've been portrayed for a long time in the media. But I think there is a concerted effort to really talk about who we are and the work that we do, um, because, you know, we're just workers who want a seat at the table and want a voice um, in the job. But I really think that, you know, going back to COVID and kind of lifting that veil, I really think that our communities saw how hard we were fighting for our workers. Um, and, and that kind of brings brings to light that, you know, we're not strangers. We're not, you know, just some random people who come into your city and, and want to create havoc. You know, in Greeley, the meatpacking plant, you know, and folks testing positive and folks dying, those are people's friends. Those are people's family. Those are people's neighbors. Um, so I think, you know, the more we can talk about our successes and the hard work that we do, I think the more that folks will come around and understand that that we're not some thugs. Um, you know, they won't give me a billy club and, and let me beat up people. Um, I'm not that sure. <laughs> well, no, of course. These th- this is definitely a an, an, a past chapter in the union experience, but. You brought up a point. How has the unions, at least in your knowledge, responded to COVID? Have they been forefront in vaccine and masking and quarantine? Um, we were, we were, and have been on the front forefront of that fight against COVID, um, against really talking about worker safety. I know in my workplace, I'm really blessed to have a national union um, that you know, put out lots of information, lots of toolkits, lots of best practices. And we were meeting with our management when this first started and our directors um, almost every week, um, almost every day I was on the phone with them really talking about um, safety measures that we could put in place. You know, who um, in our department needs to go home first because we just didn't have the equipment for a lot of our folks to, to work from home. Um, we were on the forefront of really talking to the government, the governor, and talking about who is essential during this time. Um, how do we classify essential and how many of our folks does this affect? So we certainly have been on the forefront of that and continue to be. So we are still running vaccine clinics. We're still working with the state to get, you know, they have a mobile bus that does vaccines. We brought them down um, for AFSCME members and, and state um, state employees to get their vaccines. Um, so, yeah, we have been and, and we continue to be. 
that's good to hear. Um, one more kind of a um, some people's opinion of union labor talk about the high cost of union labor. And some have said that unions even destroy industries like the garment industry, for instance. What do you say about the high cost of union labor to what it does to products, for instance, in the States? So I, I certainly hear that. And um, I think as a consumer, as a homeowner, sure, you want to get a good price on things. Um, but if I pay to get my floors done and I do it at the cheapest possible price, and then I got to do it over again in a year. Am I really getting the cheap, the, the lowest possible price? Um, so that's, that's an example from, from my own life, but um, we certainly see um, things that are built union last a lot longer because it's really quality craftsmanship. Um, so are, is union labor expensive? Yes. But part of that is because unions pay a living wage they pay for benefits, they pay for retirement. Um, so when we're looking at the impact of the community that those folks have, um, it's it's positive. Like they're contributing to their, their community. They're buying cars, they're buying houses, they're paying taxes, which for me as a public worker, I'm like, yes, um, I love that. Like pay property taxes because that goes into our general fund. Um, so all, all the way around, like you're getting quality work and we're making sure, especially for those government contracts, um, that we're paying the folks who are doing that a living wage and, and that money is staying local and kind of recirculating in our communities. Yeah, that's that's the ideal when the, when you buy local, when you support local. Proud to hear it. Glad to hear it. Unions gave us weekends. Unions gave us lunch breaks and safety measures that corporations we know would not and do not. Um, I think we should all tip our hat to to you and to union uh, workers all around the country. Seven days, seven day work weeks used to be a real thing, didn't it? Yeah, and uh, child labor laws and things like the Fair Labor Standards Act. Um, and you know, we we keep pushing for that. We keep pushing for you know maternity leave and um, sick days and. A higher minimum wage. So those are the kind of things that we're still fighting for. Um, the optics just look a little different, but I think the general situation is still the same, right? We're still pushing for things to be fair and um, no. people to be paid with their President uh, President Biden's Build Back Better and the PRO Act uh, is protecting workers to organize, protecting union to organize. Um, what's your your views on, on Biden's uh, moves with the union? You know, it has been a long time since we've had a president who so proudly talks about union workers and union labor. Um, he's not afraid to say union and he's not afraid to, you know, come and talk to our folks and kind of learn what we do. Um, I would say that, that Joe Biden is one of the, um, is one of the stronger candidates and, and one of the more pro-labor presidents that we've had in quite some time. I'm glad to hear that. And I, uh, I hope it does well for you and your position as well as your brothers and sisters within your unions there in Colorado. Um, Josette Yaramilo, I really do appreciate your time on the show today and tonight and keep up the good work as always. 
Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Like I said, I love to talk about workers and working people, what's going on in Colorado. Um, I can do this all day. It is really one of my favorite parts of um, this elected position. AFSCME, as well as AFL-CIO, Josette, thank you again for your time tonight. All right, you are welcome. Past episodes of Times Like Now can be heard wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you to the letter J, Cody Robertson, for original music. My name is Trevor Collins, and I can be reached, Trevor, at timeslikenow.com. I do appreciate your emails, and as I'm approaching my one-year anniversary of the program, please do write me and let me know what you think of the show and if you have suggestions for people that I might interview. Thank you once again, and I look forward to speaking with you all next time.